the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows, he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. When with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see, twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Amen. Amen. Well, sure thankful he loves us tonight. Amen. And I enjoyed uh, dealing with that this morning and looking at that. Uh, boy, we owe a debt to the love of God, don't we? And uh, so glad you're here uh, tonight and looking forward to what God has for us as we get back into the kings and the prophets. And so let's pray tonight and ask God to certainly be honored and glorified in our services, but we also want him to meet with us. Amen. And so we need him tonight. I'm going to ask Brother uh, Steve Parker if you would open us in prayer tonight. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? I think we are still having some internet issues and things like that. We've had all day today, and so I don't know if they're working some of those things out. And I also wanted to mention, and I forgot to mention this as we went to the Lord in prayer, but do pray for the Crawford family. It was good to see Miss Jerry uh, Crawford here uh, yesterday and got to text a little bit with Brother Randy. Continue to pray for him with his MS. But then uh, Miss Jerry fell this afternoon, and so they are at the emergency room with her. And so if you would, certainly pray uh, for them. Then, of course, pray for Jack and Lizzie, our missionaries to uh, Japan. They're with a dear friend uh, today, Brother Jeff Hastings. He is a brother from another mother, and, uh, and uh, they're at Bible Baptist in Columbia. I was actually telling Brother Jack the other day, I said, I was, actually, I was at the first service of that church when it started in the Days Inn Hotel in uh, Columbia, Missouri. And amazing now, they've got a wonderful building, God's been doing a work, and so pray for uh, them as uh, they are continuing to raise uh, support. Did we just want to mention a few more announcements and things as well. I mentioned this morning, don't forget about school starts tomorrow, so we'll be kicking uh, Faith Baptist School off, and of course, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday will be all half days, and so it'll start at 8.30, we'll dismiss at noon, and then Thursday, we'll, uh, August the 17th, will be the first uh, full day, and then of course it'll be wide open uh, to the end from there. And so be much in prayer for that, and our, certainly our staff, uh, Brother Eric Watson, our uh, school supervisor, and so pray for them uh, tomorrow, and uh, of course through the week this week. And then next Sunday, we're going to be hosting Brother Jonathan Switzer, uh, a, um, uh, our uh, missionary to uh, South Africa, and um, I can't, I don't, my mind just went blank, but anyways, I he is a uh, second generation missionary. That's the phrase I was looking for. His dad uh, was a longtime missionary there in South Africa. I actually got malaria and, and passed away. Lord called him home. 
And, uh, but Brother Switzer and his family are now there and serving. They uh, have already had a term there and been learning the language and ministering to people. And so he's going to be here uh, next Sunday. He's going to be uh, in the Sunday school class uh, period. He is going to be presenting uh, the ministry. And then in the evening service, uh, he will be preaching. And so be in your place uh, for that. I believe he will be a blessing. I will be here uh, the morning during the morning time. Uh, to host uh, Brother Switzer and as well as uh, preach uh, Sunday morning and then Brother Switzer is going to take over and preach Sunday night as we'll be uh, headed back or I'll be headed back uh, to Heartland Baptist Bible College to uh, get rid of my son. Amen. <clears throat> and uh, praise the Lord. I'm looking forward to saving some money on all the food I have spent uh, and bought. Uh, but anyways, pray for Brother Switzer. And then of course, ladies, don't forget about Tuesday night, August the 27th or 22nd is the ladies' meeting. I keep saying the 27th. 27th is on a Sunday. The 22nd is on a Tuesday, and that'll be the ladies' meeting. Uh, we typically don't have those through the summer, uh, but now that school is starting back and the year's starting back here, we're going to be starting up the ladies' meetings. And so again, August the 22nd is on a Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, and ladies do bring uh, a soup or salad uh, for that. And then, of course, August the 24th, which is on a Thursday night, be the fa- uh, will be the uh, school parent orientation. And so if you have kids in the school, make sure you're here uh, for that. And I believe that's at 6.30 uh, p.m. Uh, that night. And so I want to encourage our parents to make sure you're here uh, for that. August the 27th, Brother Dave Hardy is going to be preaching in the, EM, EM, uh, the p.m. service. There'll be a linger longer uh, to follow. And then also wanted to mention these, September the 3rd and also September... Uh, the 10th, uh, Brother Alan Cotton is going to be preaching on the 3rd, and then Brother Jeff Copes is going to be preaching on the 10th, as we will be away, and Lord willing, uh, be able to be over uh, in the country of Italy. Wanted to mention this, uh, last of all, uh, men, the Baptist men's recharge, they did have to change the dates to September the 22nd and 23rd, and so make sure that you're aware of that, and if any of our men would like to go to that, the sign-up sheet is out there in the outer foyer, and you do need to sign up by September uh, the 3rd. If you want to stay in a bunk uh, there on the campsite, it's only 70 bucks. but if you do want to get a hotel room, uh, obviously it'll cost you a little bit more. Uh, it'll be $130, and so you can mark on there if you want to stay in the hotel, And, uh, and, and but, but again, make sure that you sign up by September uh, the 3rd uh, for uh, that. Okay, Brother Eric Watson, come on ahead tonight. Let's turn together to page 425 now. Page 425. We're going to sing all three verses tonight in times like these. Page 425. Sing out with me on that first verse. In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock in times like these you need the bible in times like these oh be not idle be very sure be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock this rock is jesus yes he's the one this rock is jesus the only one be very sure be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock in times like these i have a savior in times like these i have an anchor i'm very sure i'm very sure 
my anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus, yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. I'm very sure, I'm very sure. My anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the solid rock tonight? We can place our faith and trust in Him. Amen. Great, wonderful song. And that's Brother Ethan Whitney. Would you pray for the offerings tonight, please? Amen. Probably a lot of you are wondering what I'm doing up here this evening. But as the pastor mentioned, he and his wife are going to Italy uh, the 28th, I believe. 28th of August through the, like, 15th or I don't know. Anyway, they're going to Italy. And uh, they, it's for their 25th anniversary. Now, this month is their 27th anniversary. So... Is, 26? Okay. So it's just one year off. Uh, but they were planning on going during COVID, and things weren't going to work out to go during COVID. So, uh, so they put it off a little bit. We were planning on helping them, and we are going to help them. And so uh, I just have, I want them to come up here because uh, a lot of people have given, and uh, We've got $4,700. It's not all in. Well, it's all in here, but it's all in a check. And so uh, we're going to give this to them. Now, if some of you were planning on giving a little bit later, well, you know, $5,000 is a good round number, so we could still use another $300 or so if, if you want to put some more in. But we sure wanted to bless you all with this. And God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Better give it to her. <laughs> pretty slick. Uh, well, uh, she's done grab the money and run, but I do want to say thank you. I don't know. I'll be the more spiritual one in this one. Uh, really, I uh, do want to say thank you, and uh, th thank you for loving on us uh, in that way. We're looking, we're excited about it. I know some have already come by and trying to talk Italian with us. I have no idea. So thankfully, they have a thing called a translator app. Amen. So as long as I can get coffee and lasagna, I'll survive. Amen. All right. Amen. Would you stand with me one last time, please? Let's turn to page 544. Page 544. Like a river glorious. We'll sing all three verses tonight. Page 544. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace over all victorious in its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth fuller every day. Perfect yet it groweth deeper all the are fully blessed, finding as He promised, perfect peace and rest. 
hollow of his blessed hand. Never foe can follow, never traitor hand. Not a surge of worry, not a shade of care, not a blast of hurry. Touch the spirit there. Sit upon Jehovah. Hearts are fully blessed. Finding as he promised. Perfect peace and rest. Every joy or trial. Falleth from above, traced upon our dial by the Son of Love. We may trust Him fully, all for to do. Those who trust Him wholly find Him wholly true. are fully blessed, finding as He promised, perfect peace and rest. So much truth in that song, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Wonderful singing tonight. Just before the message, the Wisdom family is going to sing tonight. to die on a cross for crimes he had done he was guilty everyone could see but his destiny was changed as he looked to Christ and said when your kingdom comes remember me in paradise the day he stood like the Lord had said he would, surrounded by those who had gone before. One said, friend, how did you come? What are the deeds you have done? With tears in his eyes, I can hear him reply, there are no merits to my name, no works that I can claim. He who brought me here told me to stay. I have come by the way of the cross. I have come by the way of the cross. It is nothing I have done. It's the suffering of God's Son. I've come by It's the 
suffering of God's Son, I have come by the way. I see millions gathered round the throne from every kindred and tongue, those redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. As they cast their crowns down at His feet, this will be my story. This will be my song. We have come by the way of the cross. We have come by the way of the cross. It is nothing I have done. It's the suffering of God's Son. We have come by the way. Come by the way. Come by. now has a pocket full of money and she got to hear her favorite song tonight amen so you want us to go ahead and just dismiss and you can okay amen <laughs> amen <clears throat> i enjoy i do like that song though and there's so much truth to that isn't there that the thief on the cross he didn't have baptism he didn't have church membership he didn't have any of those things hadn't given any tithe made a confession or had a confirmation or any of that stuff that's in religion today just simply by faith, believing, amen, and uh, that's how you get to heaven, what a blessing. Well, tonight we are in 1 Samuel and chapter number 1, and don't stand uh, just yet because I do just kind of want to kind of remind you uh, of the context uh, here and, and what's taking place. Uh, we, the last time uh, we were here, we started uh, what I would call as a study through the kings and the prophets, as you look at First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings and even First and Second Chronicles, and yes, it's going to take us about five years to get through this. Amen. Uh, but uh, I do. I love. I love the life of David. That's probably one of my favorite studies through the Bible, uh, and and the contrast with him and and Saul. Certainly can't wait to get to Elijah and Elisha, and all of that, something about a guy that's, that's bald-headed, and the kids make fun of him, and then he curses them, and the bears eat the kids, amen, that's a good man of God right there, amen, and, and uh, but I, you know, so we, but here's the thing, when you look at the kings and the prophets in this study, what you have to conclude in 1 Samuel chapter number 1 is this, is that it started with the faith of a precious woman named Hannah, she was barren, and then, of course, uh, she faced adversity from her husband's other wife, which is what happens when you get outside God's plan for the marriage. There is things like turmoil and strife and envy and all of those other things. But she went to the Lord in prayer, and God answered her prayer and gave her Samuel, which is basically what the, the, his name uh, means, meaning that God would hear, God hears and answers prayer. And Samuel is going to become the first, or I'm sorry, the last judge, uh, but also the first prophet. So he's going to be the transitional preacher like John the Baptist was, meaning this, he's going to transition Israel from the days of the judges and into the days of the kings. All right, so now here's what I want us to see tonight. Following this, all right, following what happens in Hannah's life with Samuel, following this, Hannah does two things that God's people normally don't do in our day and time. The first thing, or the second thing she's going to do, we'll see in the next chapter, and that's this. She praises the Lord and gives Him the glory for answering her prayer and giving her Samuel. That's something we've lost today, friend. We've lost having a thankful spirit. We have this expectation that God owes us rather than us owing God. All right? And I don't, and I don't want to get off on a tangent on that, but I think about the, this, this is what, this is, what is, is kind of bothering me right now. 
is that there is a tremendous amount of apathy and weariness in God's people, but yet you look at our property and we've been blessed with a wonderful missions house. Go over there and look at that fellowship hall and how nice it is. I'm saying to you, if anything, what we ought to be is very thankful and we ought to be praising God and rejoicing in God and on fire for God. All right, and so we've forgotten that, but here's the other thing that she does. In her prayer, she made a vow to give Samuel back to God so that Samuel could serve, could serve him. And guess what? Tonight we're going to see this. Hannah actually keeps her vow. She keeps her commitment that she makes unto God. And again, that's something that we don't do today. We make deals with God, and then we don't keep our end of the bargain when really we ought to. Uh, and certainly uh, Hannah does. So let's all stand tonight and look with me, if you would, at verse number 21 of First Samuel chapter number 1. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. He knows how to pick his fights, doesn't he? Smart guy. So he says, Do what seemeth good, tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish His word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her uh, with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord... As thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also have I, now watch this, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And I like this. And he, Samuel, worshiped the Lord there. I believe that's Samuel. I don't necessarily believe that's Eli because I think we're going to find out here later on that Eli was a pretty pretty corrupt man. But I I just want to convey my heart with you tonight. I did struggle with this title uh, tonight because really uh, in the past I have called it this and I wanted to call it this, the consecration of Samuel. But here's the thing. There wouldn't be a consecration without Hannah keeping her commitment. Listen to this. Committed parents produce consecrated children for the Lord. God doesn't call us to be perfect parents. Aren't you glad for that tonight? God doesn't call us to be perfect parents, but I do believe this. God honors committed parents. God honors committed parents. And being committed has a tremendous impact on children, as Hannah will certainly have on Samuel. So here's what I titled the message tonight. The commitment of Hannah. That's really what this is about. And here's really the message for you and me. If we want the next generation to be consecrated unto the Lord, then we must be committed in this generation. Whether you're a parent tonight, a grandparent, or or whatever the case may be, I'm just telling you tonight, this message applies to all of us. If we want the next generation to be sold out and consecrated unto God, then we've got to learn to be committed unto God in this generation. Father, would you bless the preaching tonight? Thank you, Lord, for Faith Baptist Church. Thank you for the generous uh, gift and the blessing, Lord, uh, that they are to us. And we're so grateful. Uh, God, I I can't thank you enough uh, tonight. And and Lord, it is certainly humbling and and a blessing. And and we love these dear people. And and I'm so thankful they love us. And we, we do, Lord. Just want to praise you tonight for that. But Lord, also as we gather around your word tonight and see the testimony once again of Hannah, God, would you use it tonight to speak to us? And I ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight to appreciate you standing again in, in honor of God's Word. Our, uh, our neighbors across the street from us, I, I believe that they only have two. I, I'm not sure. I, th- I think that they only have two uh, boys. That's uh, the only two that I've met, but they're in and out uh, so much like everybody else. It's hard to kind of keep up with families and and things like that, but but about a, I guess probably about a year or so ago, maybe even longer than that, the oldest son uh, got a car, and I guess it was maybe sometime last summer or something like that, or early in the summer uh, this year, I can't remember when it was, uh, but I was outside mowing uh, in the yard, and I noticed the boy was over there and had the car, had his car uh, jacked up and was laying underneath the car and working on it, and all he had was the jack holding that car up. And I guess his parents were, were gone or, or something like that. Now, let me just help you. I, I am all for boys getting out there and working on cars, man. I love it. I, I think that's awesome. I think that's what boys... It's way better than sitting inside playing video games. And so I'm, I'm all for that. But if you know anything about working on cars and things like that, and, and using a jack just to hold that thing up, then you know this, that's a pretty uh, dangerous move. Now, had I known, had I known that he was going to put a loud exhaust on that car, I might have done something different. But, but, but at that time, he didn't have it on, and, and so I walked over and I looked down at him, and he's laying under the car, and I walk up and he, and he sticks his head out and he goes, Yes, sir, and I said, Do you have any jack stands? And he goes, no, sir. And I said, hang on just a minute. And so I went back over and I got uh, my jack stands out of my toolbox and I brought uh, them over and, and, I, and I said, here you go. And I set them down there and, and he got them situated under the car for his own safety and things like that. And this is what I said. I said, when you get done with them, I will probably be gone. And so just leave them on my garage door, right there by my garage door. And sure enough, when we got home that night, there were my two jack stands. They were sitting right there, and they were waiting on me. Now, here's the thing. You understand that, that though they were mine, I lent them unto Him. I lent them unto Him so that He could use them for whatever purpose that He needed. Now, what I'm trying to illustrate to you tonight is this, is that that's exactly what Hannah means when in verse number 28. When she says this about Samuel, she says, I have lent him to the Lord. What she is saying is this, is that Samuel now belongs to God to be used for his purposes and his intentions. Now, now I don't know about you, but I have done a tremendous amount of studying and preaching and things like that on parenting, and I do feel like there needs to be some things that are made clear uh, tonight uh, in, in this, in, you know, looking at this and what Hannah says. Now, now listen, don't, don't put, please don't let this put Hannah in a bad light because I just simply think she was trying to convey her heart to say, this is what I want from my son. I want him to serve God. This is his purpose. This is why God gave it. She's just simply recognizing all of that. But what you and I need to understand tonight is that we have the entirety of the Scriptures And what we learn is this, is that the reality is our kids don't belong to us just like Samuel didn't belong to Hannah. The truth is, the truth is, God lends them to us in the first place. God's the one that created them. God's the one that knew them in the womb, just like He did Jeremiah. See, my friend, listen, we belong to Him. Our kids belong to Him. We as parents, God has simply lent them to us, and as parents, we are, we are to be stewards, good stewards, and to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's what we're to do, friend, that as parents. That, and the greatest thing, listen to me, the greatest thing that you could ever do as a grandparent or a parent or whatever the situation is, is to follow the example of Hannah right here and give them back to God to be used for His honor and His glory. That's the greatest decision that you could ever do as a mom or, or, or a dad. I remember when our three older kids, uh, the last one is about to go to college uh, next week, and I can remember when all three of them were smaller. 
uh, as soon as they were born and out of the hospital. And, and I, remember, I, I remember as soon as they were born and as soon as they were out of the hospital, the next time church came around, we had them in church. Now I can remember, you know, it's kind of like, you know, probably most parents, you know, that first one comes along and, boy, you're, you know, you're kind of nervous and you want to, you know, make sure that they're okay and so you're a little leery about dropping them off in nursery and things like that and you want to hold them and you want to cuddle them and things like that. When the second child comes along, you go right up to nursery and go, here you go. The third one comes along, you're just like, I forgot they were in the car, man. I got to go back and get them and bring them in and. But I, I do remember this, that when we came in, every time we came in and we were in the house of the Lord, and probably w- within the next week or two, we were talking about, and, and we would do this in the service, we would come forward and we would publicly dedicate them to the Lord. And we did that. And I, you, you know, this, I don't know if you're aware of this, that used to be a thing people did, but it's since become obsolete. And, and, and I, personally think, I personally think this, we need to bring it back. I really do, and I, I, I do, especially after looking at Hannah uh, in this scene right here. But, but here's the thing, maybe the reason people stop is because like most other things in church, unfortunately, it just becomes routine and formality, and as it does, it eventually loses its meaning. And it really shouldn't be that way. But, but here's the thing, what, I'm, what I want to get across to you tonight is this, when we did it, we meant it. I mean, we meant it. We said, listen, we, even, and even though we didn't do this with Emily because of, you, you know, it just, you know, people weren't doing it anymore, and so we really didn't. I, I want to say to you tonight, even though we didn't do that with Emily, our hearts haven't changed on this. We, we still, listen, we still want to raise our kids uh, in, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We want to see them consecrated and given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want them to live for Him to fulfill His purposes and plans for their life, to be in His will, as my oldest daughter sang this morning. Friend, why, why would we want that? Because that's the greatest life you could ever live. And we certainly want that for our children, to enjoy the blessings and the goodness and the grace of God, being in His perfect will for their life. Doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. No life is. But it does mean, friend, when you're in the perfect will of God, that's a good place to be. A good place to be, no doubt about it. It's good when you wait and marry the one God has for you. I said it's good when you wait and marry the one God has for you. It's, it's good. It's good when you follow God's calling on your life. It's good when you surrender your life to His will. But here's the point of our text tonight. It's committed parents. It's committed parents that can be a great help in seeing that, in seeing that take place in the lives of their children. Yes, yes, you can still live for the Lord not having committed parents tonight. That's that, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. Absolutely you can. But to the grandparents and the parents in this room, our children stand a greater chance of being consecrated and sold out to God. And here's when, when they see mom and dad and grandma and grandpa doing the same thing. Doing the same thing. I want to just point out some things to you tonight that I see here, and and certainly, and I, I don't again, I don't mean this to sound like a Sunday school lesson, but you, you know, it's kind of laid out that way. But 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 we'll certainly draw some things from this. But but I certainly see the care of Hannah that begins in verse number twenty-one, and it says, "And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child." Be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good, tarry until thou have weaned him. And the Lord, only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she had weaned him. And so the idea here is this, is what she's saying is, I'm not going to return to the tabernacle in Shiloh until Samuel has been weaned. He's old enough, he's old enough to be cared, to be cared for by others and doesn't need the primary care of his mom. And so she would use this time to care for Samuel and to prepare him for serving the Lord in his life. Now, let me say this. The, Bible's not, the Bible is not clear here on how old Samuel was. Uh, we do know this, that it says in verse 24 at the end of the verse that the child was young, and so he was a young boy. And we also need to understand this, that the weaning here 
not only had to do with his mother's milk, all right, but also most likely some weaning in children's manners and things like that, all right, because we would understand that, yes, you know, there's stages of, uh, you know, that, that, that children go through as babies, as infants, and then as toddlers and, and small children and things like that, but most commentators figure that Samuel was probably between the ages of 7 uh, to 12 years old. Now, this is what I think. I think from a preacher's perspective, I think of Eli about to get this kid and to have to care for him, and I'm thinking the longer the better. Because I don't want to have to go to the bathroom with him to help him out. And I'm just giving you practical things tonight. You, you understand? I, please, keep him for a little while longer. We, we can wait till next year. Totally fine. <laughs> We're a little short-handed in junior church. Just, all right, anyways. I, so you gotta, you got to read here. you got to read between some things here and kind of see these things. But, but here's the point that I'm trying to get across to you is that Hannah's care would have a tremendous impact on Samuel's life. You, you, you understand, listen, this, this time right here that she has with him is, is going to allow time for her commitment unto the Lord to influence his life deeply. I, and I want you to think about that for a minute. Because th- this is what's interesting now. And I'm telling you, now remember, keep in mind, we're transitioning from the time of the judges where every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And I want you to think about this. this, this, is, this, this and, you, and you understand how wicked Eli is and, and, and corrupt and, and his sons Hophni and Phineas, but, but this is going to be the testimony of Samuel. Now watch this. As a child in chapter number 3, and you can flip over there, but as a child in, in chapter number 3, the Lord is going to call Samuel to be a prophet. And it listen, you want to talk about a precious story. When Samuel is just a little boy and the Lord starts speaking to him, and the Lord says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel gets up and runs in there to Eli and says, Master, did you need something? And, and, and Eli wakes up and is like, boy, get back in there. I mean, that's classic. That's dad. See, mom would go, what is it, baby? Come on in here and get in the bed. Dad's like, I'm, you're not getting in the bed with me. I know how you sleep. You don't sleep straight. You sleep sideways, and I end up on the short end of the stick on the floor. But there's all this, this, this story, and, and, and Samuel you know, finally figures out that it's the Lord calling him and, and says, listen, when, whenever the Lord speaks again, just say, Lord, uh, speak. And so God does. God, uh, Samuel answers again. And, and God begins to speak. And you know what do, God does? God gives him his word. But this is the thing. When God gives Samuel the, the word of God, it is, it, is not, it is not a positive message. It is not a Joel Osteen type deal. It, it rather, listen, it is, it, what God does is He pronounces judgment against the house of Eli and gives it to Samuel, this kid, out of the mouth of babes. And, and so Eli comes in and sits Samuel down and he goes, I want to know what God said. And Eli's thinking, no, you probably want to watch ESPN right now and not talk about this. It's, He's faced with a decision. Watch this. Do I tell him the truth or do I tell him what he wants to hear? And this is what Samuel does in chapter 3 of verse 18. Look look at the very beginning of the verse. It says this. And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him. Nothing. He told him everything whether he liked it or not. You know why? Because the Word of God was more precious to Samuel than the feelings of men. Be, be a fact, look at verse number 19. This is something else that it says. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. Watch this. And did let none of his words, talking about the words of God, fall to the ground. Do you know what that means? That means this, that Samuel had a deep regard for the Word of God. And Samuel had a deep regard for the things of God. And he didn't shortchange mankind 
on the message of God. He didn't change it and make it a little more easier to hear or a little more convenient. No, friend, he had a deep regard for the things of God and the Word of God. Now, this is what I want to get across to you tonight is this. Where do you think he got that from? He didn't get it from Eli. And he didn't get it from Hophni and Phinehas. You know where he got it from? He got it from those early years of being in his mother's care. Her commitment to God deeply influenced his commitment unto God. Hannah and Samuel remind us that our kids aren't going to do what we tell them to do. They're going to do what we do. And children will magnify our character in their own lives, whether that character be good or evil. And if you want your children and grandchildren to have reverence and respect for the things of God and to honor God and to be consecrated and committed in their lives, then it starts with you having the same things in your life. Well, preacher, yeah, listen, I, I just, I want my son, I want my daughter, I want them to walk with God. Good, but you got to start walking with God. Well, preacher, I, I want my, my children, I want them to serve God, and I want them to be in church and be faithful. Well, good, but you got to serve God and be faithful. You've got to quit letting weather dictate your spirituality. You've got to quit looking for every excuse under the sun to get out of church and get away from the things of God. You want, listen, you want them to be committed, then you be committed. You want them to be spiritual, then you be spiritual. Well, preacher, I just, I, listen, I don't want them to be messed up by all the junk of this world. I want them to get away from that. Good, then you get away from that. It is the age-old story, friend, of if we want the next generation to live for God, then we've got to live for God. I've got to be honest with you. The thing that popped in my mind was the yearly conversation we have at camp with our teen kids to respond to the things of God. But here's why we have to have that conversation. Because most of them have parents that don't respond to the things of God. Why? Well, we just want them to come to the altar and get right with God. But here's why. Mom and dad ain't doing that. You understand, it's not fair. Listen to me. It is not fair that we criticize the next generation for not doing the things that we aren't doing ourselves. We have to look in the mirror because the generation that we're criticizing is really the generation we created. Huh. They're so apathetic today. They're not on fire for God today. Well, here's why. Because we're not on fire for God today. I can get quiet in here. I'm just telling you, that's the truth of the matter. And, and, and so you understand, friend, this is the impact. That, listen, we, we want to have a positive impact. We want, listen, we want fire. And, and we, we want our kids to be uh, uh, passionate about the things of God. Then it starts with us. And here's, and here's the second thing. And I believe this. I believe this, is, this, this contrast of, of, of Eli. Look at verse number 24 and 25 of the same text. It says, and when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and an ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the, ha- unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And what I would say to you is this, is that where the care of Hannah shows the importance of, of taking advantage of those early years and being a godly influence on our children when you see Eli here, he, he provides a contrast, which is really a caution in parenting. He shows, us, he shows us the other side of what can happen when there is poor and unspiritual parenting. I don't, I don't know if you know anything about Eli, but Eli was what I would call a passive parent. Um, be, be a fact, and you can flip back over to chapter 3, and I'll just show you, but... In chapter number 3, when, when God gives uh, Samuel the message of judgment against the house of Eli, well, he lists one of the reasons in verse number 13. It says this, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile. And look at this phrase right here. And he restrained them not. Do you know what that means? That means this. 
that Eli, listen, you, you got under, oh, come on, friend, you got to grab a hold of this. Remember it, that, that Hannah's the one that was praying and, and was just moving her lips and wasn't talking. And Eli thought she was drunk and rebuked her. And she said, I'm not drunk. I'm just pouring my heart out unto God. And, and he said, you know, then God's going to give you what you prayed for. And he was right there. So the guy's got some spirituality about him a little bit. But when it came to his own sons and God confronting him on his wickedness with them, it says this, he restrained them not. In other words, he didn't even go to them and confront them on their evil. Because after all, his kids could do no wrong. It's kind of like the parent that comes to me and wants to talk about how, you know, their youth director got onto their kid. My kid would never do that. My kid's perfect. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking. Eli's sons were wicked men. They provide a sharp contrast to Hannah and Samuel and show us the dangers of of really two things, passive parenting and corrupt parenting. Eli shows us what happens without commitment unto the Lord. And, and, you gotta, and again, you got to think about this. And I'm, I'm sure Eli, I mean, as already mentioned, he's a priest. Um, he did have some spiritual things about him. I would venture to say this, that it started out with good intentions as a father. But good intentions, and I want you to listen to this, good intentions, which we all tend to have, good intentions without commitment leads to hypocrisy. Let me say that again. Good intentions without commitment leads to hypocrisy. You know why? Because you talk a real good talk, but you never follow through. There's no commitment. It's a real good talk, but it ends up being a carnal life. And what happens is this, that only leads to evil in the lives of children. Come on, man. I, listen, I, I, I don't know what happened. You were quiet this morning. Now you're quiet tonight. I mean, you had every bit of a chance to go home and get a nap. I did, man. I, ate, I got my Gentile on and I ate ham. And then I went into a honey-glazed coma. And I woke up and I didn't know where I was and who I was, but now I'm, I had a little coffee and I'm ready to go tonight. Are you ready? Yeah. You need to grab a hold of this and engage your mind here. I'm telling you, because here's the thing. I know this, for me, I have good intentions all the time. But where the rubber meets the road is commitment and following through with it. And I'm just telling you, I believe this. I believe Eli probably started out that way, but eventually he just gave up. And it came to the place where he was completely passive in the lives of his son. And do you understand, listen to this, do you realize how many times I have sat down with people and even parents who knew what was right? They just weren't doing what was right. And they had good intentions, but they had zero commitment to the things of God. And now they can't figure out why little Johnny is in juvenile. Or, or little Susie ran off with some heathen. Well, well, here's why. It's because they spent a lifetime listening to mom and dad talk out of both sides of their mouth. And talk spiritual at, at church and express good intentions and acknowledging what is right. But then when it came to the home life and the private life, they were passive and uncommitted in spiritual things. And it's, listen, it's not just passive parenting. It, I, I've seen all-out corrupt parenting. I mean, listen, I, there, there are many like Eli who have, who have good intentions and would say, I, I, know, I know what's right in spiritual things, but yet they never follow through with them. But I've also seen, I've also seen people outright refuse and go against the things of God in the lives of their children. And I'm, listen, I'm not talking about lost people. I'm not talking about parents on a bus route somewhere. I'm talking about people in church. And just, and just utterly refuse for their kids to be involved in anything spiritual. And I'm thinking, are you out of your mind? <clears throat> we had a young lady in Cassville. And I remember, I remember when she graduated high school... 
And, and we went to her graduation, and I, I remember all that. And I remember I, her, she would go to camp with us and things like that, and God was dealing with her. And, and I believe this, and I, I believe she knew it. She knew the Lord wanted her to go to Heartland Baptist Bible College in Oklahoma City. But her mother, the problem was her mother was a stinking Jezebel. And I'm so sick of Jezebel women. That's what she was. She was a Jezebel. And she was in church, but she was constantly contentious against the preacher and against anything spiritual and right in the house of God or in the things of God. And sure enough, sure enough, when Hartland came up, her mother was completely against it. Nope, you don't, you don't need to go there. And discouraged her from going there. And, and what she did was instead, she pushed her to go to a local community college there in town. Won't you go there? And I, don't get me wrong, I'm all for education. And I don't have a problem if a kid comes to me and says, Preacher, I don't feel like God's called me into ministry, but, but I do want to go learn a trade or I want to go learn and better myself. I, listen, I am all for that so long as that's what God wants for your life. I can remember sitting down with my son and going, Son, what are you thinking? We talked about the military and we talked about uh, being an electrician or a welder or whatever. And we talked about uh, all of those things. And here's what I said. Well, that, that's all well and good, but what does God want from your life? Because that's what I want for my kids. And, and so you understand, she pushed her in a carnal direction. And in the end result, this is the, in the end, here's what happened. The girl eventually gave in to the relentless pressure of her wicked mother. She stayed at home, went to a community college, and met an ungodly man and married him. He had been divorced four times. But, you know, she's going to change him. Let me help you with this. We're not in the changing department. And you got more influence on somebody before you commit to them and marry them than you do after. But she met, you know, married him. They had a kid together. Then he left her. Now she's a single parent out of church. Not even in church anymore. Followed in the wickedness of her mother. And I listen, and, I, and again, I, she made a mess of her life. And you, please listen to this. And I'm not saying that God can't do a work. And I'm not saying that God can't use someone like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is this, is that she could have avoided all of those hardships had she just submitted to the will of God. And it would have been a whole lot easier for her to submit to the will of God had she had a mother that encouraged her in the things of God rather than being contentious against the things of God. I'm going to tell you something tonight. Now, listen, we're going to get into this. You've got to realize how vile and how wicked, listen, that Hophni and Phinehas was. But I would much rather my kids turn out like Samuel versus Hophni and Phinehas any day of the week. And while I realize kids from godly parents like Samuel can still make poor decisions, and I realize that tonight, but you greatly increase their chances of making godly choices when you parent like Hannah instead of parenting like Eli. Now let me give you the last thing, verse 26. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here, praying unto the Lord. And you know, every pastor is supposed to memorize this stuff. But I believe he did. I believe he did. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. In verse 28, therefore also... I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. And so lastly, what you and I see tonight is the consecration of Samuel. I, listen, I, I don't know if you realize the reality of this scene, but Hannah does such a powerful thing. She keeps her vow unto the Lord. But you understand, it's not a vow of money. Or, or anything like that. It, it's the consecrator son. And she brings Samuel to the tabernacle to leave him there. She consecrates him unto the Lord. E even after all of, that, all of that time with him where she weaned him and, and, and fell in love with him 
and, and learned his, his giggles and looked into his eyes as she rocked him there in the chair. And I, I mean, listen, I can't explain to you all the intimacy that goes on between a mother and her son and all, just watching my wife and, and Luke grow. And I remember when we found out we were going to have Luke after having two girls and my wife called me at work crying and said, it's a boy, and, I, and she's crying, and I'm thinking, well, does he got ten fingers and ten toes? Why are you crying? Is everything okay? She's like, yeah, I'm okay. I just we're having a boy. And I'm like, all right, calm down. Scared me. And she's leaving them here. That's powerful. Giving them over to God. You know, most parents today make an idol out of their children. And you can't tell them how to biblically parent. Well, you know, we're doing this kind parent garbage, thinking that our children, they're just, they just need kindness and love and affection and all this stuff. No, they don't. They need the rod. I'm so sick of that junk. Discipline them. Spank them. When they're pitching a fit, whoop them. And they center the home around their child. And the child determines when they come to church and you know when they feel like it or when there isn't a ball game or ball practice or, or whatever the, the case may be. And, and, and then the parents try to relive their lives through their children. We were driving in today. I saw a kid out there, kid and his dad playing basketball out there, and the kid was about that tall, and the dad was about my height, and he's holding the ball up there, and the kid can't jump, you know, get it, and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, and I told Natalie, I said, enjoy it while you can. And I and I love watching that, a dad and a son having a blast. But I listen, it's scary when you watch these parents try to relive their lives, their childhood through their children. And then when it comes time to wean and leave the home, the parents want their children to be successful in the world's eyes. I want them to make lots of money, and I want them to get a lot of material things, and they, I've got their future lined out, and they're going to go to college, and they're going to do this and do that. Listen, listen to me. Here's what Hannah did. She just kept the Lord first. She just kept the Lord first. I said, preacher, you don't understand how hard that is to do. Listen, do you not think it was easy? Do you, do you think it was easy for Hannah? In the times of the judges, when there was corruption and, and wickedness and evil like you can't even imagine, and every man's doing that which is right in their own eyes, but yet Hannah shows us that keeping Christ at the center of your home and life and staying committed can still work in that type of of environment to make Christ preeminent friend children don't need to be the idols of our home in our lives Christ needs to be preeminent in our homes in our lives and we need to stay committed unto him and then when it comes time for them to step out and serve God here you go Lord they're yours we've prepared them we've done our best they're yours and then you step back and watch what God does. God was dealing with me about preaching. Natalie and I had just bought an acre of land in Florida. It was right next door to her parents' house, and we started building. We, we, I, I could be on the water fishing in 10 minutes. We found a contractor, and Got everything set up, four-bedroom brick house right on the lot. They were going to build it. They started building it. They poured the foundation, and I answered the call to preach. I knew that day I was moving to Springfield, Missouri. And they finished that house. They finished building it. We moved into it. Lived in it for about six months before we left for misery. See, <laughs> you know, I've had people. I've had people ask me this: Is it hard? Was it hard to? You know, to move in. And I mean, this is the house that you planned on raising your kids in. I mean, this, is your, you, this was your dream house. And all, was it hard to move into it and then to, then to give it up and to leave it behind? And I've got to be honest with you. I've always said this, no. It really didn't bother us. 
I mean, we didn't think anything of it because we knew, well, this, we knew what God wanted in our life. We just wanted to be in God's will, and it wasn't hard. You know what was hard? Saying goodbye to mom and dad. Saying goodbye to Natalie's parents that we've gotten very close to, uh, I think about a couple of years ago, and, and for the first time in my lifetime, I had to leave my mom alone. My stepdad had passed away, and that was, that was, that was hard. That was hard. But at the same time, we knew as well as they knew. We got to. And you know why? Because we knew and they knew that it's much better to be in the will of God for our lives. It's much better. I I don't... I don't want to move back to Florida and be close to family if I'm out of the will of God. Not, not saying, I'm not saying that's any intention in my heart. I'm just saying I don't want to be out of the will of God for my life. I don't want to be that way. Because here's why. I know I'd be miserable. I know I'd be miserable. I, I just know. What, what, listen, what I'm trying to get across to you, though, is this. Is that I'm sure Hannah experienced some of those same things. And, and I know watching our... Our two girls drive off and go to Bible colleges. You, you know, you got to stop on the way home and go to Ted's Cafe Escondido because chips and salsa will nourish her soul. And you tell your kid goodbye. Sure, it'll be the same thing for Luke. She cried when she found out she's having a son. Probably going to cry when we drop him off. I was looking at pictures the other day on my computer when he was about that tall and almost started crying. I said, man, I got to turn that off and go about my life. I was coming in this morning, and I didn't have my little buddy next to me coming into men's prayer. And I thought, man, this is a bummer. And then I thought to myself, you better suck it up. You better get used to it. This is how it's going to be now. And I'm sure Hannah dealt with all of those things. But, but what I'm saying to you is this, is that what made it easier to swallow was knowing this. My child is going to be in the will of God for his life. And there is no better place for him to be. And what more could you want or ask for as a parent? That's what every parent ought to be desiring for their children. But you know what they need to see from you? The same commitment that you expect from them. And that's what Samuel saw in Hannah. Let's all stand tonight.